may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Welcome to another View from the Ninian interview. This time it's with Mark Hudson. Mark needs little to no introduction, true club legend in every sense of the word. And it was a great honour to be able to say that we were joined by him for two hours to talk through all aspects of his Cardiff City career, from joining the club to leaving the club and looking at the club now, what he would do as if he was manager. We kind of subjected him to a a mock job interview, if you will. So stick around to hear that at the end of the podcast because you'll hear his ideas and the way he wants to approach things when he takes over a football club. It's a fascinating interview. I don't want to hold you up anymore. So if you do like the interview, if you do enjoy the interview, please head over to our Twitter page, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian to let us know. If you really enjoyed it and fancy giving us some money, some money towards the podcast, you can go to Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com forward slash VFT Ninian and you can make a donation then. No matter how small, we really do appreciate any donations that come our way. And without further ado, please enjoy our interview with Mark Hudson. Tonight, we're joined by a, a former Cardiff City captain, uh, a man who led us out at Wembley twice, led us to the championship title and to the promised land, a man who scored a goal from 61 yards, scored the first goal of the Red Era, and was probably just an all-round Cardiff City legend. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mark Hudson to The View from Ninian. Mark, how's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sounds like yeah. when you say it like that, it sounds, <laughs> sounds, sounds like it was a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it? <laughs> yeah. No, it yeah. was. It was. It was a great time. No, it was... Um, yeah. When you when you put it sort of back to back stuff like that, it sounds it's nice to hear. Yeah, it was. I mean, we'll get into the the full nitty gritty of it. But you were at the club for sort of what four or five years in the end, or was it six years by the time you left? It's five, it's five and a bit, five and a little bit. Yeah. And it, see, it, it, when you put it like that, you packed a lot in. You got a lot done in that time. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I I think five years in at any to stay at one place is quite a long time. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean you see people moving regularly nowadays um, obviously some players have gone on to stay at one club for their career but I think five years is is quite a, a good stint um, and we had a, a successful time there as well so yeah well we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later but first I'll hand over to Ben to ask the, the kind of first questions about your early career okay yeah so we did a bit of digging in the background by that we went by that we went on wikipedia um <laughs> so obviously you started your career um at fulham uh breaking through just as they sort of got promoted and were getting established in the premier league for you was it always going to be football that took your interest was that always going to be the career or was there other things alongside football you thought oh perhaps if football doesn't work out this is where i'll go for um no in my own mind when i was growing up there was nothing else that i ever wanted to do um Nothing that I ever thought, oh, that's, yeah, that's going to fill me with, like, fulfilment, really. Um, it was always football. There was nothing else. I played other sports. Um, I did some little bits along the way. I went to college for a bit. Um, but it was always football. It was always something that I wanted to do. Um, so it was, yeah, there was, it was, there was nothing ever touched it, really. Um, uh, along the lines of other job criteria or anything, uh, I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd rather do that. There was nothing else, really. So you were probably one of the last people to go go through sort of the YTS as it is sort of with players, scrubbing players, playing players, 
It's a long so, time ago. Yeah, I think obviously the YTS. That's I mean, it's a funny story. I never, I was at Fulham from ten, um, and I never got offered the YTS. Funny enough, uh, they weren't quite sure on me at the time. Gary Brazil and Alan Smith, and I think Gary Brazil would tell. Well, he told me that it was him that swayed Smithy to give me a sort of a chance, really. Um, and he, they sort of said, "What we want to do is go to college." Um, but train with us Monday, Friday, and then you can, if you're selected, play in the youth team on Saturday. Um, and this was about, I think it was about 15, 16. Um, but yeah, so it was Brazil. He was sort of pushing to say, no, he's, he's got something. Um, you need to sort of keep him on board. And then within, I think it was within starting college and then playing in the, the youth team. It wasn't long after that, that they were thinking, they, the sort of, conversation started to happen about a contract because without having any kind of contract I was almost free to go anywhere um, and then it obviously sits at 16 and then come through that year and then my birthday's at the end of March and then they they were pushing to I think in January to sign a professional contract and it would have been probably I would have been one of two that got that before everyone else so I was not offered the YTS but then probably got my pro earlier than than most that's quite an interesting way of coming through, to be honest. Yeah, no, well, yeah, sort of... I mean, if it's it's one of those, a lot of people, I was obviously a divided opinion throughout my career, but I think at the time I was gangly, didn't really know what I was doing at, at 16, um, just probably trying to chase centre forwards. Nothing, nothing changed too much after that. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, there was obviously there was a hunger and a desire from me. Um, every training session it was always can I do my best if I didn't do my best then I would train the same the next time it would never be I would never drop off I would never be late so that is probably more the attitude side of it that got me somewhere at the beginning so obviously that attitude got you into the Fulham sort of first team setup um, three or four league cup appearances I think and yeah, then you went out and then you went out on loan to Oldham, which I'd imagine a sort of a culture shock, a culture shock, but Fulham, that obviously they weren't the sort of luxury sort of Premier League standard they are now, but to go from Fulham to Oldham, was that a bit of a culture shock at quite a young yeah, age? I've been asked this question before and it's, it's actually, it's interesting because, and it sort of leads on to something about the youth teams now. It's, I, I was playing in a reserve team, um, which was Fulham men in the reserve league, which again was against men. Um, and there were crowds there, not massive crowds, but there were, it was an open invite. Um, there was players, senior players coming back from injury. They were playing it. There was players that weren't getting picked were playing in it. And obviously the young players coming through at the time. So we were playing in some, I'd say some, some decent, it was like a league. I'm sure there was a league. It was a league set up. So it was a decent um, standard, not every week, but most weeks. Um I'm playing against men, centre forwards. I think I played against John Hartson once at a training ground and got elbowed within two minutes. <laughs> that was a, a worry. Oh, well, I thought I'll try and go through the back of him to win a header. And <laughs> I ran straight into his elbow. Um, so it was, I think that helped for sure. The, um, I don't think anything obviously puts you in any better way to, to, to make your first team debut league or cup or whatever it is but I think that definitely that reserve league was something that 
prepared the physical side of it maybe um but yeah once you get in front of crowds and um and playing for three really important points every week then that's that's something different um and it was a massive exposure to the league um and playing with Oldham and some of the lads were unbelievable that I met obviously met Ian Dowie along that uh, at that time um so yeah it was, it was perfect um perfect first loan it went quite well we did okay we got towards the playoffs at the time which was just obviously this is why Dowie got his move but yeah it was I look back on it with fond memories for sure so after that it was it Ian Dowie that took you then to Palace with him yeah so he left in he left at Christmas and I think my loan was finishing and then he obviously would say left he got offered the job at Palace which he took um, and then in January the other window I think opened up for loans again and I went back and they called straight away and said look come to come to Palace now um, and Fulham I think were in the Premier at the time and that's obviously that's then League One to the Championship for me personally which is something I couldn't turn down so yeah it was amazing really a quick sort of whirlwind season really and it jumped then straight um a year at palace and you're in the premier league well then um, yeah so the loan the loan finished just uh, mid-april i think then they got promoted and then i got bought in the summer um to yeah to a team that just got promoted to the premier league so talk about a, a quick sort of transition year from not playing to playing league one championship then find yourself new season in the Premier League so yeah it was uh, some year it's a pretty full on baptism of fire um, <laughs> it was good yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it <laughs> from there sort of ended up um, didn't really work out with Palace to the cha- uh, back to the Championship um, how did you find the Championship at a young age and like as it went on it sort of got a lot it seemed to get a lot more physical What? You, how much changes do you notice from the Championship at the start of your career towards the end yeah I think um, I mean the standard obviously the I mean, football, if you look at when I started playing in the championship to then obviously when I finished, I think football generally, not just the championship, but football across the world has has changed the sports Mm. science that goes into it, the analytics, um, the media coverage. Obviously, it was big still then, but I think Dowie was the first person I ever saw use a touchscreen and that was when we got promoted. That came from nowhere. Just like, what is that? He's got a um, gadget, be fancy. He's it? got a gadget. We got promoted, yeah. and that was the first. Can I have that gadget? <laughs> that was it. Um, so yeah, just seeing like just getting lines drawn on over it, and I was thinking, what is going on here? You used to get set up, sent out, do your best, come back in, see what happens. But yeah, then obviously the analytics, the sort of looking at oppositions, looking at yourself, the stats, the physical stats, everything's changed um, along that along those lines um, in football, really. So it's there's so much more in depth now. And I look back at it then. There were some good teams in it, some good, good players as well. Even when I came through um, playing in the Championship, when we went back down with it, uh, with Palace, some really good players that could could easily and did go on to play in the Premier League regularly. Um, so it was a good league then, and it's still a very, very good league now. You sort of made the sort of first team set up there playing a lot regularly. Um, at the end of your contract to Palace, you ended up at Charlton. And um, what sort of pulled you to Charlton? Was there other offers from other places or was and the idea? Yeah, there was. There was. Um, I think they came a little bit later, actually, towards signing, really. But there was there was a few offers, yeah. Um, 
And what what pulled me really was um, it was part it was Pardew, um and the meetings that we had and the idea, the vision that um, he had for the club um, and where it was going and the players that we were going to sign as well as myself um, and the ambition of, of and draw to that. I know it's a rival to Palace. Um, we've talked about this many times. I know that it doesn't sit well with some um, and rightly so. I mean, once you support your club, if you go, to, if you're one of your players goes to a rival club, then it's going to hurt a few. Um, so I took that to account, of course, but the draw to go, um, the contract situation stalled at Palace um, and I wasn't going to get offered another one. So I ended up leaving and I went to Charlton and it, listen, it, did, it didn't work out. It was a tough year. I've got to be honest, it was something I look back on and learned a lot from. I came in, Matty Holland was captain at the time. He gave, the Pardew gave it to me. I didn't know I was going to get it. Um, I don't think anyone knew I was going to get it and he gave it to me in training. I think everyone sort of stepped back saying, hang on a minute, who's this coming? Mm-hmm. Who's, why is he getting the armband? And Get a target on your back somewhat then, don't you? Well, yeah, I've had that a few times. And not, I wouldn't say the target bit, but the, the put in a position where you're kind of thinking, I'm trying to bed in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be part of the group. Um, and then it's like, no, he's the captain. What he says goes sort of thing. And it's, it's never been like that with me, to be honest. I'm not one of them that I'm always, I want to be part of the group and I think that's the best way. I don't change if I wear the armband or was the club captain or I didn't wear it. It was just more about being part of the group and I think that's what is, I look back on at the time, I think I've always enjoyed it more when we're all doing it together. And um, mm-hmm. it's not just, there's a captain, whatever he says goes and that's it. Um, I don't think that's how football works. So. But yeah, then it didn't it didn't quite happen at Charlton. We got relegated, and in January actually, Dave Jones had tried to sign me, and Charlton said that you, you're going nowhere. Um, so fine, so sort of got my head down, tried to play as well as I could, tried to help the club as much as I could, um, and then we went down, and then that's where it changed. <laughs> that's where you find yourself at Cardiff. So when when the manager comes in for you in January and then obviously you move in the summer, do you, do you keep like a, a dialogue with the manager? Is that a conversation that always carries on? No, or is it no, just no, no, they go away and um, come back? I mean, I imagine that does happen, um, but I, I didn't speak to Dave um, okay. at all. Um, it, it, maybe my agent did and just said that, that, listen, they're still interested, but you've still got to do your job. Yeah, You've still got to go and play well. And I think that's, Sometimes where players may get distracted um, or let it get, let it distract them because unless you're playing well, you're not going to get a move, are you? So I think my agent was always the same with me. So listen, there's, there's people going to be watching. So do your job, play well, train well, be the best you can be and then see what happens after that. Don't go searching for something because you never know if, if your form drops, then it's not going to happen, is it? So. Yeah, were there other clubs in for you that summer as well, or was it always just Cardiff for you? Um, I think once that, once once it had come apparent, it was something I, I did think about, of course. Um, and obviously, for someone to put an offer or an interest in in January, that's quite serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always felt probably I've played my best when I've felt wanted. Um, and I think that's what happened in the summer. There was only one, once that season has finished obviously with some heartbreak um, mm-hmm. and some soul searching to do um, the the conversation started and 
there wasn't anything else I was I was looking for to be honest. And then obviously I've got to ask. Uh, oh, no, you go, Ben. Got to ask before we move on. What's it like to play under Alan Pardew? He's a bloke that just fascinates me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the funny thing, right? So I signed for them. And he left, he got sacked after about eight weeks. So I didn't really get to work with him that much. Um, but he's a character. He's um, he's definitely a character. I mean, I got on well with him for the eight weeks that he was there, maybe. It was, I say eight weeks, it's probably somewhere around that. But we got on well. Um, as some people have got their opinions on him, good or bad. But I can only speak for myself and we got on well and... It was a draw to me to go because he was successful and I thought that with what he put in front of me was was an opportunity to go and do well um, and it didn't happen. It's a shame. Yeah, I, I, I like Pardew from the outside. He just seems like a guy you can just have a chat with and get on with. I think everyone remembers his dance, didn't they? Uh, Crystal Palace. <laughs> <Instantly>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he found the camera, didn't he? He found the camera, looked directly at oh, it yeah. and went, here I go, here I go. He knows where the camera is. <laughs> Well, you know, you got to know your strengths. Um, the, the 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 question comes up again about the, the captain's armband. You came in at Cardiff and you talked about it a little bit on a um, under the cosh. You, you were handed the captain's armband and kind of thrust straight into the limelight. Um, was it a similar situation at Charlton? Was it as difficult to to ingrain yourself with the you know with the target on your back kind of thing again? Well, at Cardiff or from yeah. Charlton? Yeah, I think Char- Charlton had been um, there'd been a downturn towards the end of the season. Um, and there's a few senior pros there that maybe weren't going to stay. So when I came into Charlton, I think they were already looking elsewhere mm-hmm. and probably looked at me and thought, not Matty Holland, to be fair, but probably looked at me and thought, why has he got the armband? But having that experience, obviously, then going to, to Cardiff, um, you can only you can only sort of carry those experiences with you. And it was definitely something I used again. Um mm-hmm. And it wasn't to say I would have done anything different at Cardiff or Charlton. Um, but obviously what had gone on with our family when I signed for for Cardiff was definitely in the forefront of my mind at, well, every minute of every day, really. So there was probably a, well, say probably, there's a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to maybe not think about the captain's armband so much but yeah it was it was in training again Joe was there Joe was captain and we get on really well still um and I'd heard rumors that he was maybe looking to or had been linked with some moves um but again I didn't have any conversations leading up to that meeting on the training pitch and it was just like right call the surf on a thought right he's going to tell us what we're going to do in training and then we go off to do a warm-off and crack on it was it was now it was like Joe, you're going to be Hud's vice-captain. Hud's are going to be the captain for the season ahead. And I'm sort of stood there thinking, <laughs> what is going on? But again, I, it's a massive honour for me. Yeah. Uh, it is a huge honour. But then obviously, um, I'd say I'm quite... I sort of will get people's emotions quite quickly. Um, and I can tell by people's looks or maybe smirks or... Uh, facials really um, <laughs> but I would look around the group and there was some inquisitive looks at me to say you must have known about that <laughs> I was halfway through training going I had no clue what was going on you know but whether they believe that or not I don't know but they probably thought well whatever as if you didn't know that was coming 
who was giving you those looks because obviously it was quite an interesting dressing room at the time, wasn't it? Chopra, Bob yeah, Freud, Russell yeah, Cormac. I think every one of them gave me, I would say daggers, but they were more like, kind of like, you never told us that. What's going on? So, but yeah, no, there was, I mean, some of the, the lads in there were hugely supportive as well. Um, Ricky Schimmicker was there. Um, yeah. Obviously, Maka, Steve McPhail, um, Gav Ray, some quality lads that just went brilliant. Great. Yeah. Need someone like you. Do what you've got to do. Be yourself. Change if you want. Just we'll support you. So that was excellent. Brilliant. Uh, it's what you want as well. You want your, your people to know about you before and then to say, okay, well, we, we should wear it. Yeah. Um, and then go from there. I mean, you talked about still being friends with Joe Ledley. It's kind of that that dressing room seemed like quite a tight knit group of players in, in all the time you were at the club, actually. Um, yeah, from the start, yeah. it just I mean, it, it felt like everyone just got on at all times. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> that would be a complete lie if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a story. <laughs> no, you, you know, in every dressing room, um, and the amount of people you've interviewed, and in every dressing room, there's fallings out. But what was good about ours, it was it was put to bed quite quickly. Um, it was never, listen, in, if you're trying to succeed, you want your players to feel a kind of intensity in the dressing room that drives itself. Um, and we had that in abundance. And again, that was across the different years, actually. We, we had lots of characters that would drive each other. Um, and it wasn't always down to the manager to do that. And which is some clubs that does happen, but we had we had enough players in our dressing room that would would sort of get hold of each other and demand more um, more respect at one point maybe or better training or better performances whatever that is or even if that's not just demanding but that's like listen what's going on or but yeah no we had um, we were a tight knit and I look back at I mean I've been lucky enough to be promoted with different teams but. It was a special time, special group. And it like you said, it wasn't just one group. There was many groups and they all sort of overlapped. And but I've got I've made some some true friendships from that time there. Yeah. yeah, I mean I, you, I know you you've mentioned Joe Ledley. Who who are the other people you still kind of keep in contact with? I, I mean, still speak to Steve McPhail, I still speak to I could go for more Ben Turner, <laughs> uh, Marshy, Kev, um, Connors occasionally, Tails. Don Cowie, did I say him? Craig Conway, Haider, Aaron. Actually, everyone. Honestly, everyone. Probably still. I mean, I spoke to Len the Dot, I spoke to him. Um, Ian Lannan, he was a kit man, I still speak oh, to yeah. him. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, Jade, Shops, and Ross through different times or whatever that may be. But yeah, like some of the people, the group, it was Noonie. I'm trying to think of people I've met. I've probably missed out loads like Rousey, Joe Lewis. Fraser Campbell, obviously. It's quite funny because we obviously we 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 follow footballers' lives on Instagram and obviously you, you talk about still being friends with them. You see that Craig Noon is now friends with people like Sean Morrison and they're all going yeah. on holidays and stuff together. It's just like it's it's clear that there were people during all all eras, from your era through to what the, the, the present day era that were just good people and just got on with each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's what, I mean, if you look at recruitment, I think that helps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps create something in a dressing room that, again, talk about managing itself. If you've got good people with good standards, then that's a massive plus. 
I mean, you, you talk about um, managing themselves. Obviously, we had Dave Jones as, as the manager at that point. Um, what was he like to play under? We've heard from um, other, other players that he was a bit more laid back than other managers, but he, he got good football out of you guys. Yeah, so I think, again, recruitment was good. He got good characters in. That's a big thing in, in football is recruitment. I think his, his recruitment was good. Um, not just because obviously he brought me in, but he brought in <laughs> good people. Um, but we had... He was he was laid back with certain people. Um, I think he used that well with whether to be an arm round or maybe a little bit of no, come on, you need a bit more. Um, he had a bit of a balance with that, which was good. Um, Terry Burton, obviously his first team mm-hmm. coach or assistant, was excellent. Um, and what a career he's had, and rightly so, highly thought of in the game. So it was a good balance. Um, and Terry Burton, if he needed to give you a rocket, he'd give you one as well. <laughs> Little, but I can imagine he um he got the hairdryer on him. Oh yeah, I got point. I got pointed at once. It was yeah. I got called a novice. <laughs> what 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 was that? What caused him to call you a novice? Probably because I played like one. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that's fair. Um, obviously that first season kind of ended in a heartbreak at Wembley. Um, mm. you know, it was it was a brilliant season for the fans. I think it was some of the best football we've seen. But at, at Wembley, it just felt like nothing went our way. You know, Blackpool got all the luck and all that kind of stuff. Like, just, uh, you know, on a, on a level, how horrible are games like that to play in where it just, it, it seems from the outside that nothing is going for you. And as, as much as you try, it just didn't come. The day, obviously, we got outperformed. Um, I've, we've, me personally, look back at whether there was something that could be changed to preparation. Um, and they were on a good run. They had some good players and we did it. We lost Jay, obviously, early in the game. And... We still had, we should have still had enough, but they outperformed us on the day. Um, and we obviously, we hit the bar in the second half and came close a couple of times, but they want to maybe a bit freer um, on the occasion. I don't know, but it was something obviously so disappointing. So that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, again, you either learn from and use it as, as fire to go again, or it can... It can damage a few, um, but I thought personally I used it for something to think. Well, I either want to be back there again and succeed, or want to get past the playoffs and do it automatically. So it's something that either drives you or, or sort of pushes the opposite direction. But I used it to drive me for sure. How do you react when you see Bothro goes off? You know Jay's off. You know he's done. And you see Kelvin who come on instead of Ross McCormack. It's for a City fan. It's the big what if of that day of yeah. If, if, why not? Why not Ross instead of Kelvin Atu? Like no disrespect. I mean, yeah, you're there going. I mean, obviously Ross. I mean Ross. He went on to have. I mean the moves that he got and the football he he plays and the goals he scores and creative as well. Um, he had it all, uh, but. Obviously, at the time, Dave decided Kelvin. I mean, it's not something you can control from when you're a player. Uh, you, yeah. Whatever the sub is made, you just got to get on with it. So we, as as players, you can't even let that bother you. You can't. If a player goes off injured, yes, someone like Jay, who who had hit form and played well, he's a big loss because he again he's one of these players that I've always said he had absolutely everything. On his day, he was unplayable. Mm. Um, actually, got him in and around my team somewhere. But it's uh, <laughs> it's 
he, he, yeah, it's a loss. So, but we probably should have had enough anyway. So you've got to believe in the players you've got in your squad. Um, and I'm not one of them to just dwell on it. So we just, it was subs happen, injuries happen, people getting sent off happens. You just got to get on with it. Like, what was the summer like after that? It's obviously horrific. For me, yeah, for me, it was tough. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like for you guys. Like, how you've got all these, you go on these nice holidays and sort of people think like it's an amazing life, but there's no way you cannot be sat on the beach here thinking just what if for weeks. I think the first. First week, I couldn't speak to anyone. I don't think I spoke to anyone apart from obviously a missus and maybe my mum and stepdad a bit, but just couldn't bring myself to talk to anyone. It was such a, you're just like minutes away from becoming a Premier League player um, and getting promoted with, with the club. And then went, obviously once it's done, you're in the, it's so weird at Wembley, you're in the, you're in the same box. So they're up celebrating with their family. Oh my God. And you're, they're walking around with the, obviously the, um, the medals and they've got the big trophy and, and then we're sort of crying our eyes out with the family. It's just so bizarre. That's a bizarre set up. That sounds I like torture. Yeah, I didn't know you'd be in the same bar. Like, oh. Yeah, I can't. I can't think whether that's been the same for other teams or not, but I, all I can say is that when I walked in, it was a split of orange and then I in the blue and I was just like, just saw loads of their players and buzzing. I just I don't know how it happened, but we were all in the same spot. Weird. But again, that's something horrible. Like, that was, that was horrible. Yeah. And again, when I can only look personally again at, at that age, I thought, I look back at what could I have done better and, didn't perform, blame yourself. Mm. And again, whether that's my, all players or some players, but I did. I always thought, what could I have done better? What did I not do? Did I not, like I said, prepare right? Or So you can only question yourself, but you can you can only use it as experience and, and then try and put it right the next time. That summer was obviously just bizarre. Sort of a lot of big players left the club. Uh, Ledley goes to Celtic, a few other sort of bigger players sort of depart. And then you sort of come in towards the end of the window, Craig Bellamy joins on loan along with players such as Sale and Jana. Um, how much of a lift does that give you see, hearing someone like Craig Bellamy? And Bellamy at sort of like his peak as well. The season before for Man City, he was just unplayable at times. Because obviously I was captain at the time and I think whether it could use it as a persuasive tool for him to be there, well, wear the armband, be the captain on, on match days. And obviously I said, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity <laughs> to get, there's an opportunity to get someone like Bellas in with the quality that he's got um, and the standards that I've heard that he drives, um, then yeah, it's going to only make us better. So obviously you want to wear the armband, of course, but he said, obviously you'll be club captain, support Bellas and, where the arm man on the match days, and that's again, this that's fine by me. Um, and I said, Yeah, if you can get him, go get him, <laughs> use what you can, use what you can to get him. So, and then he, yeah, it turned out, and obviously, big Shay came in as well. Um, what a lovely guy Shay was. I still speak to Shay actually. Um, so yeah, your WhatsApp must be buzzing all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't say I reply to them all the time. I don't, I don't have time. But no, I do. Yeah, no, there's because a lot of the players 
that I played with are still involved in footballing, whatever that, whether they're still playing or mm-hmm. they're coaching or they're behind the scenes in football clubs. A lot of them, and again, I'm once I've made a friend, you're a friend. So that's the way I see life, really. So if Bellamy comes in, like you said about the standards he sets, we've also heard at times if you don't hit those standards, um, how can I put this? He lets you know in a very <laughs> unique way. Um, what's it like to have you? Were you, you ever you, on the you, end you, of that? What are you saying? He's got a short temper. Yes. <laughs> No, I think again, it's. I mean, there's there's different ways to 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 use that. Um, but he's, yeah. He, I mean, he firstly he produces his own standards. So the way he prepares, um, he manages his body or managed his body. Um, when there was an opportunity to go and maybe have some time with his friends, he would do that. But so yeah, I mean, he did. And if, if people dropped below that or started mucking about, maybe or got sort of a bit carried away during training, he would he would stop training. Yeah, <laughs> he had he had he had a way of halting training, basically. <laughs> Whereas some training would carry on. With, I mean, depending on what it was, but across my career, there's there's been confrontation while training is still going on. But he had a way of stopping it. And it was literally stopped till he finished to get back on the training. So that season sort of, again, sort of plastic, like the classic way of Cardiff is sort of all sort of going amazing and sort of fell away towards the end. Um, injuries, poor results. We finished fourth and sort of crashed playoffs in a really disappointing fashion with the team we had. Because mm-hmm. like, for me, that's probably the most talented team on paper City will ever have. You've got players yeah. like Bellamy, Aaron Ramsey coming in on loan, Chopper and Bothroyd were unplayable. I think that was, yeah, that was the season Bothroyd makes it to England. Just how, for me, how does that team not make it to the Premier League? It's just just unreal. Um, yeah, see, I mean, obviously it's a very good question. Um, I, think, um, I think you can look at sort of many aspects across the season, whether we utilize periods to to gain maybe physically or tactically um i think there's probably occasions where we push ourselves maybe to go on and go yeah we can go again here go again go again um so it's probably the players and staff at the time we just we didn't we didn't get it right. Um, and I think that's ultimately why you fail. I think there's an accumulation of, it's not just one thing, there's an accumulation of little small percentages that are missed. Um, I mean, I look back, did we analyse Reading well enough or did we, were the players playing in the positions at the time, were they uh, in the best form or, I mean, you can look at any team that falls away at the end and, and probably there's there's accumulation of a few things but it just didn't work for us and ultimately that's why it changed so i don't i couldn't like i, I couldn't say it was one thing um but there was probably a number of factors that led us to to fail in the way that we did yeah i think it's been quite well known that dave jones was 
good at letting players sort of have their own. You could sort of get away with a lot as long as you performed on match day. Mm. Um, do you think that was sort of his undoing in the end as well? There was rumours of a couple of the players that come later on loan going out the night before the Middlesbrough game and all sorts of things. Do you think it sort of eventually caught up with him and sort of came back to bite him on the arse a bit? I mean, he, like we talked about earlier, definitely had a way of, of, he thought maybe by giving people sort of enough, enough trust, maybe, that they would give that back. Um, and some maybe didn't. But then others he would push and get a reaction from. So, yeah, again, you can look at there's many little things that probably could add up that that didn't go the way that they should have done, whether that's down to the players um, individually or as a group collectively, um, not accepting certain shortcuts. Um, but yeah, if he was quite laid back in certain aspects, then that probably didn't help either. Um, but yeah, there was... There was, like I said, it's an accumulation of things that doesn't doesn't go the way that it should, and ultimately that's why you fail. There's no team that just does what they want and and wins things. That's just doesn't happen. So obviously that summer, um, Dave left the club, sort of coming off the playoffs. Is that something you were sort of half expecting, or did it come a bit out of the blue? Um, obviously, I look back at the time when we when we'd obviously got beat. Um, and then we were out and then it was there was rumours I think straight away um, trying to remember rightly there was quite a few rumours that he would be he would be leaving um, and then I think it became quite a busy summer if I'm correct obviously there's I'm thinking there's lots of years that will merge into one in my brain but <laughs> I think I think it happened quite quickly um, it, was, it was during playoff the um, playoff final day yeah right there you go so I mean that's quite good that I remember that to be fair but um, <laughs> it did happen quite quickly and I think as a club from a club point of view um, and obviously that I've looked at that from being this the other side of the game now I think if you want to if you're going to do something and you're going to make a change you want to do it as early as possible and you want to you want to get the person in that can have an overview of what's everything that's going on at a football club before you even kick a ball um and that whether it be the squad, playing squad, uh, the staff, um, how you want everything run, or if you're alignment, obviously with the, the board or the club chief execs at the time. So yeah, I think if you're going to do it and we failed and you're going to make a change, I think that was the right time to, I would say that day. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to make a change, yeah, make it early so you can get, give the person that's coming in the time to, to implement everything that they want to get together and, and sit and get relationship, build relationships with other staff members, whether it be the players through the summer, being in contact with them. Um, maybe they, the manager wants some to go, so it gives them time to then prep mm -hmm. to, to find other, other avenues, um, but also try and get the targets that you want to get in. So I think it was the right time. Yeah, you, you say it was a busy summer. Obviously, Mackay comes in and he signs, I don't know, it's about 12, 15 players or something by the end. You have to pull together a squad. Um, what was that summer like as kind of captain overseeing that? You know, how are you involved with bringing in, not bringing in new players, but introducing the club yeah, to yeah. new players? I know from Football Manager where you just say, you give a captain, say, introduce them to the squad or whatever. Is, is that kind of like true? Is that what happens? It's, it's definitely not Football Manager. Um, <laughs> 
it doesn't you don't click a button and then someone introduces you no it's uh, um shame it was it's um yeah we had a turnover i think at one point we were we i think we might have had 12 pros yeah it was very low yeah, first of July we had ten players, ten senior players yeah. on the books. Yeah, so that had obviously gone from where we'd had a really a, over the previous two seasons of quite a full squad of quality in different areas, and um, and then to find, find yourself with ten um, coming in, uh, we'd spoke quite a bit, um, and then look at Malky's recruitment, his in-depth recruitment of personalities and characters as well as the footballers was was brilliant i think what he what he brought to the club and because it you can either rush it and and then you're just hoping to that you're obviously going to be able to coach these players but you've got to look at the backgrounds of players as well it's not just about how well they play football can they move can their families move um are they in a relationship do they have kids are they in school um, there's so many aspects to look at and he did that and he brought together a group obviously went on and did what he did um, but yeah he, 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 he thoroughly went through the fine tooth comb in that, in that window um, and brought together a great group of, of, pers- of, of people first We've spoken to people like Kev and he mentioned that Mackay also brought in the, the level of game kind of like analytics, the kind of testing um, and things like that. Was that a bit of a culture shock from Dave Jones or was it just the, the kind of next steps really in terms of development of the football club? I think football was changing season on season. I think there's, it was there was bits being added throughout seasons, but then it was almost like, well, everyone's got that in the championship, so we'll use that. And it's it's you can have every latest tool but you've got to know mm-hmm. how to use it and you've got to have a reason why you're going to use it and then you've got to be able to then deliver that to the players it's not just saying well we can look at all the previous nine games of the team we're playing against but and we're going to sit here and watch 90 minutes every one you've got to be able to detail what you're showing and, and Malky did that um, he used that quite really well um, and then obviously set plays and the analytics side of it and the people that are delivering it as well, whether it's as a manager, you're delivering it or is it, do you trust the the, the analysis to, to do that because they've got the same way of thinking as you because you, you teach them to do that. But yeah, no, it was, it was, that was definitely coming in to the game. Like you said, the, the sports science, the physical aspects of the game. Um, there was sort of stats that you would start coming up and produced and what the levels of output that you were getting from each game, training, monitored. Um, obviously, everything started to sort of speed speed roll then. Obviously, the money comes into football then. You're going to look for what's going to help you. So, yeah, there was definitely a change. Um, obviously, we, we, we can't really talk about that season with, without a couple of things. But the first one we'll touch on is the League Cup run. Um, that, that League Cup run feels like a fantasy now as a, as a Cardiff fan. But... You know, what was it like as being part of it? What were your memories of the cup run? And was there ever a point where you thought we, we could go to the final here? You know, you know, was it at the court final stage, semi you know, obviously semi-final stage, but did you actually yeah. think it would get to the final? I think what I thought what we were good at, and I think that's definitely down to the staff as well, was managing the sort of the height. Um I think I mean, obviously it's easy for certain people certain people, it's easy for people to say, Oh, we're just gonna look at the next game. Mm-hmm. and not worry about too far ahead but we did I don't, I don't remember that we ever 
got to maybe the quarters and thought, you know what, we're only two away from getting to the final. Here. It was right, no, let's win this game. And mm-hmm. then, and once we won that game, there's a league game after that. So then just get this game and let's focus on that and then recover and we're going to focus on the next one. And I know it sounds probably, people think, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but we didn't get carried away. We just focused on what was being... And then, because there were some changes within the League Cup teams throughout the, the season and the team in the league and then the, the team in the Cup. So everyone was really pushing everyone. And that's what you want from a hungry squad. You want mm-hmm. everyone to try and perform to get in the team every week. And that's what we had. We had a group of players that wanted to be playing and respected the person that was playing in front of you, whether that was hard or not. We we, we had that group um, and that's what sort of drove us on, really. What's that feeling like when, you know, the, the semi-final ends and you know you're going to Wembley for a, a League Cup final? It's, I, it's, I can imagine it's probably one of the, the best feelings in football, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of them. Um, <laughs> leading the team out of Wembley is not far off it. Um, but yeah, no, it's just to think, and then you sort of start, then you look back at think, well, we, we we played that game, that game. Then we had like a sort of a fixture pile up where we had to sort of manage the two, mm-hmm. the two, the league and and, and we did it. Um, then you start getting phone calls from absolutely everyone. <laughs> <laughs> going, oh yeah, how you doing? I haven't spoke to you in eight months, but um, you're going to Wembley. Is it? Is it against Liverpool, isn't it? <laughs> like, <I'm laughs> about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise I had that many Liverpool sort of supporters as friends. No, they came all throughout the woodwork. Mm. Um, we talk about the final itself. Obviously, you say leading out the team at Wembley. Um, the game itself, I, I think, I, it was on TV relatively recently. I watched it back. It was quite a mad game of football, really, wasn't it? Um, I think. Yeah. So, I, I, so, do you know what? I haven't watched it for for a while, and it's not obviously something like. <laughs> Make I just off. stick on a DVD <laughs> and watch it back. Um, but yeah, it was on. Obviously, um, because of 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 losing wits, um, it's quite emotional actually watching it. Yeah. Because I mean, there's been many many sort of games that have been on TV through Sky that you see, and you just obviously it's such a huge loss. Um, and and then I, I was looking at it, and obviously. I, got sort of emotional watching it because of, of him playing in it but then I realised obviously then you look at it and you think how end-to-end it was the game yeah, and the tempo of it because obviously I look at the game maybe now and think I've learned a lot more now obviously looking at games and watching and, and sort of researching the game uh, if you put that game now and the tempo and the end-to-end and how f- fast and ferocious it was. You'd expect that to be now, like a top-level yeah. game. Um, but obviously, this is now quite a few years ago. But it was, and it was. it's not out of place by any standard of what, what today's game shows you. Yeah, I, I, I always remember the, 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 the Cardiff team. We just seemed kind of out on our feet because it was so energetic that we'd been mm-hmm. through so many games and I think because you came off in about the sort of the 99th minute and I, it felt like yeah. you battled through the game yeah I am um, oh yeah I mean I'd I'd been out for six weeks with a calf yeah um and it, it sort of flared up again on the Monday before and then so I wasn't and then obviously I, I managed to train leading up to it and then it was I didn't know I was going to play and until the team was named on the day 
Um, again, that was something I just was obviously it's really tough for Jez. Yeah. Really tough. Um, but an absolute honour to be to be named in it. And then I played the, I think it got to 65 in my car. <laughs> Both of them actually started to cramp up because it's not, it's not just the, obviously the, the, the game was fast, um, but the pitch seems massive. The occasion, the adrenaline, um, the flamethrowers at the beginning. I remember them sat there with a moisture out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and, then, and then you look back at it over years, it's one of those that I just still look back at. Again, like you said, it was on TV and you just think, wow, what an occasion. Like some of my mates still text me saying, when it was on, it's so going, what a game. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I kind of, the aftermath, and I'm it's kind of question about for you is like, what was the aftermath like? Because I remember immediately being disappointed, but then about a week later, you start thinking, well, we didn't disgrace mm. ourselves. It was a two-all draw. You know, we were a missed penalty away from yeah. winning the League Cup, essentially. I can imagine you were probably quite proud as a player in the aftermath. Yeah, I think, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, gutted. Yeah, definitely gutted. But I think you look at, you look at the League Cup and then... I wouldn't say the disappointment's less, but when you if you comparing it to losing in a playoff final, mm. it's it's not comparable for me that that pain, um, especially because you've still got the season to carry on. Yeah, <laughs> there's no point dwelling on it. Can't you've dwell got, on it. You know, because you've got to go again. But it was it was more proud. It was more proud. I think we more had a proud feeling in our group that we'd gone so far. Mm-hmm. And with extra games, not just that one game, but the all the squad managed with obviously all the staff managed each other so well with the extra games and the emotion of it all. And we were, yeah, it was more a sort of yeah, we're gutted, but also looking around the dressing room, going, we went toe to toe with with Liverpool there. Yeah, I mean, you went toe to toe with Luis Suarez, who's now you know still bossing <laughs> it in La Liga. It's incredible. He's really. not bad him. <laughs> is he probably is he probably the best player you've played against? Yeah, he's got to be up there. I mean, yeah, I've, I mean, Drogba wasn't bad played against yeah, him. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I think um, Suarez is he's in them that sort of top little bracket of maybe a handful of players that are just out on their own. That picture of Kev just hacking him down is just, <laughs> just always imprinted in my head. It's yeah. Just one of my favourite images. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some good ones. I've got a good one. Yeah, there's, there's some good ones. Um, yeah, Carol as well played. It was a weird partnership, that, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely a 2010s partnership by the sounds of it. Um, there's also a, the other thing we can't talk about that season without mentioning is a, a goal against Derby, which you know, for for obvious reasons has been. What, what was that? I can't remember. I, someone, so someone said comes up. you hit it from the halfway line. I don't believe them. Um, but we had a few fans that asking is about bullshit, it because it's much further back than it that. Was. <laughs> We had Luke Taylor who asked how it felt when we when it when it hit, hit the net, and then Brittany asked if you could come back and recreate it. She was on holiday at the time and missed it. So um, I guess <laughs> I I'm sure you're bored. Of... T- I couldn't keep the ball about ten yards at the minute. Uh, let's try it anyway. Let's get you down to the CCS and give it a go. Yeah. No. The um. Yeah. What a goal that was. Um... <laughs> it, I mean, was it looked so... like pure instinct. Yeah. It was. It's just. Yeah, it's not changed in my mind ever since. I've not like fabricated or anything like that. It was one of them that just, um, it was almost instant when I, obviously Mace had shut the keeper down um, and he'd slipped and 
he'd obviously duffed it and it was kind of flat. And then all I heard on my first touch was shoot. <laughs> four or five thousand people on the right hand side and I thought <laughs> it's set up perfectly obviously the touch was good and it was not didn't even hesitate there's very few I think suppose in my career very few times it's something so clear mm-hmm. just just caught it half holy sweet and just thought that's going <laughs> that's got a chance and then it, obviously the keeper I can't remember his name Bywater it was Bywater wasn't it yeah no no, no no no, no, it wasn't. Or was it, it Frankie was Fielding? Fielding. I knew they were there. He the had a time. scramble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he played much after that. I don't know. No, I, he did. He's broken downhill. Broke him, yeah. But it just went, it just flew. It just flew. Quite sweet. Flew in. And then I turned around, did a clinch, and then Marshy was the first one on me. Oh, I can't remember <laughs> him or uh, Liam Lawrence. I, yeah, I. <laughs> It's, it's, we've we obviously Will Volk scored in relatively recently um, yeah, sort of the halfway line but um, yours is the one that seems to stick in the memory for most fans because I think it was just so you know no offence here it was so unexpected <laughs> yeah yeah of course yeah yeah I, I, like I said I never kicked it that far before I never kicked it that far after so it was it, it's one of those it's so weird it's like obviously I'm I'm proud of having the, the career that I had, um, mm-hmm. especially from maybe the nose is, is coming through. Some say that, you know, listen, you're not for us, you're not going to make it or, and then sort of hesitations with the YTS. But then that one little glimmer of whatever people call it, freak or just to have that sort of, to be part of that. And that was obviously me um, to have that score, that 68 yards from your own half in a league game, Winning yeah. one nil kills the game off, makes it two nil against Derby. Anything, yeah, that's special. Like, how often do you show your kids it? Because if that was me, it would be on repeat every day. Every time <laughs> they do something, yeah. Have you done this? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it has to be every Monday morning um, before <laughs> get you ready for the week. <laughs> Bit of motivation, it get me going. Yeah, I'm scrolling right. You get your laptops out, right? Google this first, and then start the <laughs> I mean, Sorry. yeah, I, I, I think you'd, you'd be allowed to do that. Um, obviously, the, the, that season ended with the, the, the playoff game at Upton Park. Um, you know, I was at the game; it just felt like a, a step too far with because you had quite a small squad that year. I think it seemed mm-hmm. to rotate with sort of twenty, twenty-two players. Um, but uh, that game sticks in my mind because it wasn't necessarily the game as, much, as such; it was what happened afterwards with the kind of careering towards the red kit kind of stuff. Um, obviously, it's it's a big part of the, your, your time at the club, but. How much did you know about the red kit? Was that the first time you found out about it? And, and and what was your reaction to it when you found out? No, obviously it's not it's not something that all of a sudden gets dropped on and we're wearing a red kit. But it's it's what also doesn't happen is you, you don't get a choice really. It's it's an owner of a football club that mm-hmm. says we've I want to change the colour of, of the shirt because red in Malaysia is Mm -hmm. good luck. Um, And yes, it doesn't happen. Um, And, but he, he he made it happen. And it was again, tough because you fully understand what the fans and and football fans see as their color, as their badge. And that's what they've supported since maybe the first time they ever saw a football getting kicked. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and that's generation on generation that's not that's not just one not one generation there's generations of families that have watched that watch cardiff playing in in blue um but again um, you probably bring it up but i'll bring it up before you i had um i had a photo shoot in the red kit with <laughs> red top i know you probably were going to bring it up yeah, yeah 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 and then like burgundy red shorts and then the red socks that match the the red top i just was just not having it <laughs> you can see in the picture you're not sure like you're literally just going like really this is what we're going with I, did, I, the I mean obviously the red the red change is bad enough but then well, they're shorts it's it's like it's a big such a big change and it's like yeah. obviously then we're we're players and you're thinking and you're starting to hear obviously the upset that it's caused and we've got to play in that shirt and we it's not that we don't want to wear it do want to wear it we want to do well for the football club but we want it to be all together yeah. um, and when you feel like something's creating a divide in that it creates an unease um but then what was more uneasy was the burgundy shorts, uh, <laughs> which just didn't go. And obviously I was sort of had the photo and I was just like, these, these need changing. Um, cause this does, we're going to wear red. So these shorts need to change. So we did, we ended up changing them. Um, and again, it was, it wasn't accepted by the fans, the color changed, the badge changed, and every right not to. Um, but again, as a football, team of players we just want to go out and do as well as we can the football club right nearly half time pal your turn to get a ground round in off you go no you get this one in mate because i've got the beer sorted for later what do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later i got the last one you know that's not how the ground round works listen here bud how does the offer of free beer sound what do you mean free beer no such thing mate just go and get them in man serious now all you need to do is go to www beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced fresh as can be craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN, to get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five. That's www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN. TN. Sound? Pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. <laughs>